Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. Today's topic requires sharing very private aspects of oneself, which can be awkward and uncomfortable. Sometimes the sharing can spark some painful emotions like embarrassment or shame, inadequacy, and sometimes even risks judgment. In some relationships, it can fuel conflict and our own personal insecurities. Conversations around this topic tend to bring up fear of rejection or concern about hurting one's partner. Some think that we should just instinctively know what to do and intuitively just know what each other wants without having to talk about it. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor, and the topic for today's show is sex therapy and how to have a sex-positive life. With me to talk about this topic is a colleague of mine, Dr. Janet Brito. Janet is a nationally certified Latinx sex therapist, supervisor, speaker, and trainer. Janet is the founder and owner of the Hawaii Center for Sexual and Relationship Health, a group practice that specializes in relationship and sex therapy out-of-control sexual behavior, gender and sexually diverse populations, and the Sexual Health School, an online training program for healthcare professionals seeking human sexuality training. Janet, so nice to have you here today. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here. You know, just so we get started, I'd be very interested to find out what brought you in to this aspect of mental health. Being raised Catholic, sexuality, (laughs) and any conversation about sex was a no-no. Yeah, it's very shameful. So I think my own personal experiences brought me to this field where I wanted to do my own personal healing and just Mm -hmm. accept myself as a person. So this kind of made me go on the journey on learning more about it from a cognitive, not necessarily thinking I was going to heal myself along the way, but that's what happened where I just felt free after learning that human sexuality is so diverse and it became like something I wanted to do with other people, that it's important to feel free from shame and just it's okay to be yourself we're going to be talking about some of the feelings that are common for those that come to see you but what you're talking about is out of your own experience which i love about this field is that oftentimes we find a niche or an area that we really become interested in and oftentimes pretty good at that come out of our own origins our own upbringing but you're talking about this idea of it being important to take a look at this so why is our sexuality and the relational part of our life so important to factor into our overall well-being. Yeah, when healthcare professionals, when they acknowledge that sexual health is part of our overall health, then yeah. we are saying we're acknowledging that sexuality is part of their life, that it's about being able to express themselves either sexually or non-sexually, but about pleasure, that it's about consent that it's about self-expression. So we are saying this is beyond pregnancy and having a child and STI prevention. It's about intimacy. It's about even have relationships. It's about pleasure. It's about expression. It's about knowing your body. So it encompasses so many things. It's a very broad definition, but it's important to acknowledge that that everybody's a sexual being from the moment they're born to the moment that they die. Say a little bit more about this. I love what you're saying and kind of broaden it for us. This idea is not just about sex. It's not just performing something and, you know, a shared expression of feeling good. It's something much deeper where we're looking for the expressional piece of it, but we're also really seeking a lot of times intimacy, aren't we? Absolutely. Because some people will not, they will not have any partner sexual activities, but that does not mean they are not sexual. 
It means right. they can still have intimate relationships. They might still engage in self-pleasure. They, they're still going to express who they are because they're living yeah. in their body. So it's beyond focusing on reproduction or STI prevention. It's more about helping somebody feel comfortable with themselves. Yeah, I, I really like that, that sense of comfortableness and also an acceptance. You know, we're led to believe that sex is something that just comes naturally and we should instinctively be good at it, but we know it's not true. Mm -hmm. In your work, what have you found that makes it such a challenging area in one's life to address and talk about? I think one of the most challenging things has to do with shame and embarrassment and that this is not something that you have permission to talk about. It's very taboo subject. The definitions are based on one's cultural, historical context that they're living, their religion. So a lot of these views are imposed on one's definition of sexuality, and people are trying to deprogram from some of those constructs and find out their own definitions, which it's okay to want to experience pleasure. It's okay to want to express yourself in your own unique way. It's very complex. It's very challenging. But it's important to know about what are the barriers that are getting in the way of you being able to express your sexuality. And I think most of them are either religious or cultural or yeah. familial. And sometimes those beliefs are very rigid and they get in the way of being able to express yourself. I don't think oftentimes we really think that way. This idea that shame, embarrassment, you know, shame is shame is about who we are. You know, guilt and shame are different. Guilt is what I do. Shame is who I am and what we're talking about, this idea of embarrassment that comes with it. And I think it's such an important piece that that cultural, the religious, and the familial contextual meaning, little do we know it, but we could begin to get shaped. In fact, that's what you're saying brought you into this field, working through your own upbringing. And it's almost like we're trying to deprogram from those restrictive constructs, mm -hmm. but if we don't come in and do the work like in therapy, like you're talking about, then what do we turn to? We, we turn to maybe what's going on in society. And society has a pretty oftentimes distorted and, and bent understanding of what real intimacy and sexuality can be. In fact, I read something the other day that talked about how those that are trying to learn about sexuality can turn to porn. But that's the equivalent. It's not, it's not a healthy way to turn to or learn about sex. In fact, it's like learning how to drive by watching NASCAR racing. It's not a healthy way to learn, but we've got to deconstruct something, don't we? But we have to build in a healthier way of expression and an acceptance of oneself. And that's maybe where some of the therapy begins to come in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now you're getting a new template, one that you did not know exists beyond yes. media, right? Because media, social media, whether it's television or Instagram, it's yes. the source that you're getting. It's not always the correct information. So yeah. it's mostly for entertainment purposes, like pornography. It's entertaining. It's good for that. It may not teach you exactly what you need to know about your own sexual functioning. So it's right. important to make some time by choosing the right sources to learn about your own sexuality and the right information. That's really good. You know, when folks come to see you, what are some of the common experiences in terms of their kind of presenting issues that in one's life that, that have occurred that would bring them to come see a sex therapist? Maybe not just what's going on right now, but maybe some things in their past that might help explain it. What do you see? Most people come in for some type of sexual dysfunction that may include erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation or an ability to have an orgasm. 
a lot of people come in because they're uncomfortable with their own porn use or the amount of times that they masturbate or their partner is concerned about their porn use and masturbation frequency. So they're coming in to talk about some of these things that are interfering with their own sexuality or with their partner. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine in, in that partner focused, which is challenging us, it's interesting, you know, that we're, we're surrounded so much by sexual things in our, our society, as you were just mentioning, or through Instagram or Facebook or, you know, porn or whatever else it may be in our movies but it's still a difficult topic to talk about with our intimate other and that fear of rejection, not performing well enough, body insecurities or anxiety about maybe disclosing an unusual sexual desire that can really stop us from communicating with each other, can't it? Absolutely. It's such a very private, unique experience. And if you don't have that trust or feel that safety with your partner, it's going to be difficult to talk about these difficult topics. And so- Couples therapy can be a way for folks to come in and create that safety in order to talk about these very difficult topics that are that are very taboo. And, and you're not sure how somebody else is going to respond to your own arousal template. You have your own shame about your arousal template and how right. now you're going to share it with another person. So it can be very challenging. And therapy can be a way or a place for you to be able to feel safe to explore that for yourself first and then being okay. able to share that with your partner. Yeah, I love that invitation. You know, you're talking about the constructs that can organize one's sexuality and sense of themselves, and also just their expression of themselves and how that kind of gets locked up sometimes and gets kind of restricted and maybe even rigid and doesn't allow for a free expression. When couples come in to see you, what do you find maybe some of the communication struggles being and maybe some of the obstacles that they may experience just in working through towards a greater intimacy together? Yeah, one of the most common is mismatched sexual desire. One person wants to have sex more more often and the other person would rather not be sexual. And so it's helping them find some common ground. One person wants to be sexual every day. The other person wants to be sexual once a year. Okay, let's find some common ground here on where we're going to connect and what this actually would mean to you. It's not about the functioning of sex, but what sex would mean to the both of you if you were able, able to be sexual together. Can you say just a wee bit more about that? Because it goes back to the idea of, yeah, it's about sex, but it's really about, ideally, with a close couple, about an opportunity to experience a greater level of connection in an intimate way. How do you reframe that for them? Yeah, I think it's important to help them acknowledge the deeper emotion. So when I, yeah. when you're bidding for sex and you're saying, I want to connect with you in this, what does that mean to you? It means that I feel loved. It means that I feel closer to you. It means I have a sense of belonging or security with you. When I give you a compliment, I'm actually asking for that. So it goes beyond just, I want to give you a blowjob or I want to you know, have intercourse with you. It's like, yeah. oh, I actually want to feel this connection with you. It makes me feel appreciate it. It makes me feel loved. It makes me feel wanted. Oh, okay. That's what we're actually trying to get to. It's not just about using each other in that way. And sometimes they may come off that way and cause conflict. I would imagine that that kind of understanding might allow a couple a little bit more flexibility to talk about this versus some kind of, sometimes maybe kind of a rigid stance of he wants it more and I want it less. And 
and they're just thinking it becomes a power struggle at times. And I would imagine rejection is really up and at risk at those times. But when you begin to understand that, well, wait a minute, maybe my partner wants to connect with me sexually because it's a way for them to experience Mm -hmm. a really close and intimate time with me. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really driving it. Maybe even particular Mm -hmm. men more than women at times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Giving them this language, this new way of communicating can really help the couple deepen their bond. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Most of us spend more time at work than anywhere else doing anything else. So why not spend that time in a job you love? Introducing Triad's Jobs Marketplace, the only job site dedicated specifically to behavioral and mental health professionals. Featuring more than 1,000 open jobs from dozens of behavioral and mental health employers and searchable by location, professional field, employment type, specialization, and more. Jobs Marketplace helps you find your next career opportunity. Full-time, part-time, or gig-time, make the most of your time. To access Jobs Marketplace, register for your free professional account at hellotriad.com bht. That's hellotriad.com slash B-H-T, and then click to Jobs Marketplace. If you're already a member of the Triad community, visit app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. That's app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. Visit us today and take your next career step tomorrow. Yeah. You know, you talked about some feelings earlier, fear of rejection, body image issues, shame. When you work with folks, I would imagine it's sometimes not just cultural or religious or familial constructs that come up, but I would imagine there are other issues of origin that come up for folks at times around body issues or trauma or talk to me a little bit about those things. Yeah, definitely. Trauma is definitely a big one that can definitely create a significant barrier for someone to be able to express their sexuality and some of the other painful feelings you're talking about and how to decipher through them. But I think that, you know, when you haven't been given permission to explore, know your own anatomy and physiology, and you don't have any templates on what it means to form an intimate relationship, it can be very daunting to enter this arena and you're getting all these messages from social media on what sexuality right. should look like. And it doesn't yes. match where you're at. It's like, oh my God, it's very frightening. So how do we start to give new information of how does your body function? What does it feel like for you? How do you experience pleasure beyond the bedroom? You know, what does yes. pleasure even mean to you? as a way to create this conversation around sexuality so you could start to feel more free within your own self. I would imagine for some, when you begin to work with them, it must be freeing just to know that maybe some of the challenges or struggles that they're going through have a root cause, have an origin that makes some sense. And if they can begin to see that maybe the ways that they're struggling have actually been part of a way that they've been taking care of themselves along the way, or just a natural side effect, if you will, or consequence of what they've gone through. And I would imagine that's part of the deconstruction of maybe something's wrong with me, or maybe I, maybe I'm, you know, not a sexual person, or maybe I'm weird somehow sexually Mm -hmm. to help them kind of almost deconstruct that and then kind of reprogram. No, these things make sense. And what if we work into something that's a little bit more connected and attuned with who you really are? Yeah, I think one of the core beliefs maybe you're referring to that I would hear often would be I'm not worthy 
right? I'm not important. And so that could be coming up. And so how do we acknowledge that that's a charge that is pressing you and it's yes. a thought that's getting in the way? And how do we start to reframe that in an alternative way that it's more empowering to the individual? You know, I, I do some work with a colleague that involves focusing on what you just described right there. We refer to it as a negative self-meaning system. I'm bad or I'm not worthy or I don't have value. I'm not important. Mm-hmm. And how out of that cornerstone belief about oneself, all kinds of things become affected. Their relationships, their ability to ask for things, draw boundaries, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But what you're describing here is that it also infiltrates their sexual life too, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to come up. And it's important to recognize or uncover, or be get curious about what those possible core beliefs are about yourself that are negatively influencing what you want. What you're saying is you want more intimate relationships. You want to yeah. date. You want to feel more confident. Yeah. How do we reframe this negative belief that you acquired that someone gave you about how you should feel about yourself, right? That right. there's you do have worth just simply for being alive. Yeah, it's kind of making the unconscious conscious, isn't it? I mean, we, we kind of work off of a psychic template that we're not even aware of most of the time until maybe we kind of stop in therapy and we kind of go, huh, with questions like you're raising, <laughs> how is it that I even got to think about it this way? Or why is it that I proceed in these manners? I don't even know. What, what is it that explains the reasons why I do what I do? I, I really like that. Speak to the idea of maybe sexuality over the lifespan, you know, maybe kind of a general overview, maybe even normalizing and validating some of the age-related experiences that folks naturally go through as they age. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is this is kind of where, where I'm headed, I guess. Uh, in my 40s, things are changing. They're very different than in my 20s or my 30s. Yeah. And as I listen to my clients, you, you're hearing the loss and grief of what your life used to look like before when you had more energy or you were more sexual and things felt yes. more alive. And now as, as you age, things do change. You know, yeah. you might experience an end of a relationship, divorce, the loss of your partner, lack of desire, you know, the way that you were sexual before is a lot, mm-hmm. maybe it's changed. It maybe before you were more energized, now you feel a little bit more slower, or there's medical problems that arise that are going to interfere that you did not have to deal with in the past. So it's very important to normalize that the body is changing and therefore the way you express yourself sexually has also changed. And now how do you create new ways of being intimate with yourself or with your partner if you're in a partnered relationship? You know, again, I can see as you come at it with that angle and validating and kind of normalizing, kind of just making it kind of a universal thing that as we age, things happen, but it doesn't mean that you can't experience maybe even a sweeter intimacy in some other ways too. And this idea that if you don't address it this way and normalize it, I could see where that would be that shame, the insecurity, the fear of rejection beginning to sneak back in as we age as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For for instance, somebody may come in with erectile dysfunction, they're in their late fifties, they're on some yeah. type of medication. Most of yeah. the media that they're watching is about, you know, quick and fast a sexual intercourse and you're comparing yourself to this individual and you're like, what's wrong with me? And then there's nothing wrong with you. No. There's a lot of other issues happening. It's multifactorial. How do we kind of step away from that story that you've been hearing and create something that's normal for you? So yeah. it can be very educational and it can provide somebody some relief that no, there's nothing wrong with you. 
if you're unable to experience an erection when you're yeah. taking several medications yes. for high blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes. Yes, right? exactly. There's a lot of other issues there. And how do we start to create new definitions of sex for yourself? Really good. You know, I'd, I'd imagine that those that seek sex therapy, that it takes some courage, you know, to come see someone like you. And for those listening that might consider talking about their sexual life in therapy, give us a sense of what therapy might look like for those that might come to see you. You've given us some already, but give us a sense of what it looks like for those that come to see you. Yeah, absolutely. We start off with a sex history. And before we do this, of course, we are asking for permission. This yeah. is a collaborative process. It's very private information that we are exploring. And so we will always ask in advance the questions, nice. if it's okay to ask these questions. They're very personal to you. And this will help us to understand a little bit more about what you're going through. And so we're going to do a detailed sex history, exploring about function, exploring about first sexual experiences, talking about medical factors that may be impacting their life, what relationship issues they're experiencing, and we're going to put it all together and then create some type of treatment plan as far as like how do we move forward with the issue that you're presenting. But the main thing is creating a safe space yeah. where the person is not being judged and yeah. they're welcomed and they're accepted for who they are. Yeah, I think that's a great message to remind our listeners, those that aren't necessarily practitioners in this field, to recognize that therapy truly is about the safest relationship you could ever be in with someone. It's got mm -hmm. great boundaries. It's got, there's some intimate things that get shared, but with the boundaries and the trust that get formed, it's a safe place to be able to bring these things in and maybe find a way for the very first time in one's life to work through these things. When, when you see, and I, and I love the idea of asking permission too, giving them the reins, you know, to choose how we go about this and helping gently nudge and shepherd them through this process. What are some of the benefits that you're seeing with individuals and couples that come out of the work with you? I think you said it earlier, it's about learning how to set boundaries. I think okay. that's one of the benefits. It's like, oh, I could actually say no. Uh -huh. Yes, you can say no. So learning about that there's consent, right? That this is a very important piece of one sexual health as well, that I get to set the parameters and that I get to say what my limitations are, that that's very important. I'm not, you're not forced into doing anything you do not want to do. Yes. And for some people that is an epiphany that yeah. I don't need to just do this to please someone else. This is about what's comfortable for me. So yeah. that's a very important piece. The other one is learning about their own bodies, reconnecting with their own bodies in a new way where they can find some pleasure and discovering that for themselves, that pleasure is unique to everyone and that it doesn't look like your partners. And so it's okay for you to be able to express it in the way that it feels good to you. So yeah. I think it's the permission giving, the boundary setting, the discovery of their own sexual templates and owning that, that it's okay. It's a finger, it's like a fingerprint, your arousal template and sort yes. of coming to terms that that's how it is. And it's okay. There is nothing wrong with you. If you're not causing harm to yourself and you're not causing harm to someone else, hey, this is, this is okay for you to be able to have your, express your sexuality how you wish. You know, we, we often think when people come into therapy, oftentimes they better understand some of their thinking or their cognitions or to 
maybe develop their affective tolerance, their emotional muscle, or maybe they begin to expand their emotional IQ, you know, to be able to be more free in expression. Maybe they even find themselves developing some of their spiritual side more. But when people incorporate their sexual side into the other work that goes into therapy, that that's an additional dimension, isn't it? That mm-hmm. kind of helps w- kind of round out the person holistically as to who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's in, when it's included and you, it's, yeah. it's part of your core. And so when it's acknowledged, then yeah. it can be a whole new blossoming for folks. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. We've talked about uh, just some of the sexual side today, but your, your center offers not just the sexual aspects of relationships, but it offers a variety of services as well. Talk a little bit more about this, your center and some of the other work you guys are doing. Absolutely. We offer a variety of services from individual to couples therapy and relationship counseling. This includes services for sexual dysfunction, such as erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation to anorgasmia. For couples, we include communication help as well as infidelity recovery. And we focus on individuals that are in non-traditional relationships and exploring polyamory and consensual non-monogamy. And this is something that people really are looking for help in. This is looking for a safe place to explore, that it's okay to have different relationship agreements as long as they are consensual. And then we also have the Sexual Health School, which is an online program, which is an exciting new project. It's still um, a baby, but it's to continue to offer CEs for individuals that are looking to either get certified in um, sex therapy or they need their CEs for their licensing. That's really good. Really good. You know, we're kind of coming into the home stretch here, but give a message for those that may be struggling with sexual issues in their lives and how you'd like them to think about it and consider maybe coming into therapy to do some work around it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a very important. Thank you for asking. I think that my main message would be to pause, give yourself permission to make this call, to ask for help, to find a safe person or a safe friend that you can talk about some of these issues that may be bothering you and give yourself the opportunity to explore, kind of ask yourself, get curious, what is actually the barrier that's getting in the way of me Mm. being able to express myself in the way that I want? And what are some ways that I could start to create new definitions of sex Mm. and pleasure, that it's okay to be who you are, it's perfectly normal, I'm sure how you are, and that it's important to kind of start to create new definitions for yourself. Yeah, really good. Really good. Hey, well, give us some resources. How can folks learn more about you, your center, and any other resources you might encourage them to take a look at? Sure. So our website is sextherapyhawaii.com. We also have the sexualhealthschool.com. We're also on social media, on Instagram at Dr. Janet Brito and on Facebook. And if you are listening from outside of Hawaii, then I usually recommend the ASEC directory. And this is a national directory. If you're looking for a therapist who is trained in human sexuality, then I encourage you to seek the ASEC directory in order to find a provider in your area. Really good. We're going to have those on our website as well. You've got a really, really nice site that describes things really beautifully. The programs you guys run, the different clinicians that are working there. It's a really beautiful site. You know, we uh, kind of in closing, you know, research shows that couples or individuals who can talk constructively together or in therapy tend to have more satisfying sexual and genuinely happier relationships, which is a pretty cool thing. Not surprisingly, if we can make it safe enough to do it. 
So even though maybe some of these sexual conversations can be tough maybe to navigate or initiate, exploring these issues effectively is really worthwhile. So I, I, Janet, I really appreciate kind of what you're doing for being on the show and allowing us to talk so freely and so candidly about this topic. Thanks for being Thank here today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for making this an important topic to talk about. Yeah, it's been great to have you here. And thanks for joining us. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining Janet and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode, I want to remind you that it and its resources and all of our other episodes can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com bht. So go check out our webpage, triadhq.com bht and explore our archive of podcasts and resource materials. Thanks again for being with us on the show, and we look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.